0: Welcome to The Long Way Around the Barn, where we discuss many of today's technology adoption and transformation challenges and explore varied ways to get to your desired outcomes. There's usually more than one way to achieve your goals. Sometimes the path is simple, sometimes the path is long, expensive, complicated, and or painful. In this podcast, we explore options and recommended courses of action to get you to where you're going now.
1: The Long Way Around the Barn is brought to you by Trility Consulting. For those wanting to defend or extend their market share, Trility simplifies, automates, and secures your world, your way. Learn how you can experience reliable delivery results at trility.io.
0: Well, Mark, Andrew, good morning. Thank you for being with us.
1: Morning,
2: Matthew.
0: Good morning. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about your company, InMotion Care. Tell us a little bit about your company's vision. Tell us about your mission. Tell us about the product that you're building. Tell us about who you are. What is your company? Where are you heading?
2: Yeah. uh, Thanks, Matthew. Um, So, InMotion Care is it's a healthcare. uh, It's a startup company focused on um, bringing. really we're trying to provide a tool for senior living right now for for direct care staff um, to really be able to to provide efficient care proactive care uh, bring accountability and and really try to focus on um, trying to make sure that we have uh, staff to take care of our our seniors as we're moving forward
0: all right so Mark, what's your perspective on this? How do you also communicate the business or, or describe it?
1: Yeah, I just uh, add. You know, our real vision is that we want to improve resident care and operating efficiency in senior care in the senior care industry. So our focus is senior care. That's where um, a lot of the experience of our founders have come from. Um, we all have a passion for serving seniors. Um, we know that it's not only. Um, something that we have a passion for but it's also there's going to be a growing number of seniors that need cared for and we need to be not only better at how we do that but also there's going to be a great need to be able to attract and retain staff to do so and we're trying to um, we're working on a solution or solutions that will help on both sides of that equation.
0: So it sounds like the common theme, uh, based on the, th- the things you said, includes staffing, uh, quality of care, just making sure that we have the right people there to provide the right care at the right time. So it's context-driven. That makes a lot of sense. What does that look like for your company? Tell us a little bit about the products or product or products that you're working on right now. We're
1: using um, technology that has been developed that will provide real-time tracking of staff and equipment that'll allow us to be able to collect data information on when care was provided um, that it was and be able to confirm that it was provided, but also be able to provide access to individuals of of improved data. Um, They'll be able to know where their co-workers are. So if they need help, they'll be able to locate them quickly. And one of the real key features is leaders in nursing um, skilled nursing facilities, so DONs, um, charge nurses, people who are in leadership positions, currently spend a lot of time what I call chasing. They're trying to chase down staff members. They're trying to get information. A family member calls and says, hey, um, I need some information about the care that was provided to my, my loved one, my mom, my dad, whoever happens to be in the, in the senior care community. And they end up spending a lot of time chasing that stuff down. They also end up looking for information on you know, staff. Did, were, are they up to date on their training? And so what we're trying to do is provide a solution that makes their lives easier too. So they have access to and, and real-time availability to information and data. So they don't have to do so much chasing and looking for information. What that's going to allow them to do is obviously they're going to be able to focus on Things that are going to be able to improve resident care and also improve staff engagement, preparedness, all those things. So um, we're trying, you know, it's a time saver, but it's and its efficiency, but it's also being able to be track care and know that um, care was provided in an accurate and
0: timely manner. So a lot of this is a lot of the stuff you're doing is you're building a system or you're deliver, working on a product that enables staff to understand uh, what staffing is needed, uh, where staffing are, uh, where the staff are, and in, in in relation to you know maybe the the premises or the daily operation, um, who's working on what, and so it sounds like uh, almost a human logistics type conversation of. Um, there's twenty of us here for this shift. Where are we? What are we all doing? And with whom are we doing those things? Am I am I getting the right idea there?
1: Absolutely. That uh, clearly are are uh, many of the benefits. You know, one of the other things that that I think gets lost sometimes is the whole concept of cognitive fatigue with caregivers. I mean, especially in the time of COVID, but it's it kind of go it, it was happening before then, but you have caregivers that are that are assigned to a, you know and working in a senior care environment and they just have a lot of responsibilities and tasks. And right now there's no real good way to help them keep track of that and to know, you know, what what all they should be have done with really out without their charge nurses or, or you know DON's kind of you know, I, I hate to use the word hounding, but trying to remind them that, hey, did you do this? Did you do that? A good example is there's something called two-hour rounding that occurs in senior care um, communities, which basically you know, every resident should be checked on every two hours. What our solution will do is it's going to track that. And let's say we're coming up on an hour and 45 minutes or close to two hours, and A caregiver is in a situation where they're dealing with something, but all of a sudden they'll get an alert. that will say, hey, you haven't checked on Mrs. Smith, you know, in an hour and 45 minutes. You need to do that right now because, and again, cognitive fatigue is a big issue in senior care. They're just overwhelmed with all these tasks they have to do. There's really no way to help them keep track of those and to remind them of certain things that they need.
0: All right. That makes sense. So this is, it almost sounds like you're creating a system that might include the idea of like gentle nudges or um, just helping people pay attention to, hey, this is the backlog or the expectation of things that need to happen today. This is with whom these things need to happen. And then it just, it it's almost uh, a daily minder or a task minder. Uh, I don't want to create words for you, but it enables someone to be... Um to do well during the day, even though they might be getting tired and they might overlook something or they might you know it's it's almost like a partner through the course of the day let's get through this together is that am i getting that right
2: yeah i'd say i'd say that's matthew that's exactly where we're headed you know and and to touch upon with mark where we have these awesome superheroes called c n a s you know, and they you know, they've been on the front lines, especially through COVID and, you know, for them to show up every day to, you know, to work and take care of residents is huge. But what a lot of people don't realize is with all the, you know, COVID comes new regulations, you know, new policy, new dress code, right? All these new things that happen, um, it all piles up onto these, these people that, you know, I mean, they're people at the end of the day, they're not machines. You know, we, you know, especially loved ones, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure for, you know, these direct care staff givers to make sure, you know, our loved ones, you know, our seniors are are taken care of. Um, so as you look at, you know, what's in their toolbox today, um, it's very hard because their toolbox is pretty scarce. You know, it's missing that 716 socket. You know, there's, there's pieces that, uh, you know, that, that just, you know, aren't there, but the job keeps getting bigger, right? The roles and expectations. And so we see that, especially in the, the cognitive fatigue portion, you know, you just keep adding on tasks, remember to do this, you have to do that. How are, how are we setting them up for success? And that's where in-motion care looks to come into play is you know we want to call it the pit of success right we want we want to you know even we want to make sure that after covid happens that we we can ensure that there's you know the people out there who care about providing care you know come into the industry and apply for those jobs Um, and so without providing them any you know any resources there's a huge gap and it's you know it's going to get worse Uh, with the baby boomer generation and and things moving forward. So, you know, our major focus is if we can provide information based on their location, that's kind of one of the big features of our product is, you know, leveraging users' mobile devices and providing them, you know, content where they don't always have to remember. They don't have to walk halfway down the hall to look at the tablet, memorize what care is supposed to go walk ten doors down and then make sure that they provide that right care it we're not setting them up for success so that's where you know mark and I had passion and created IMC
1: Matthew there's another thing that's a key component because yeah you, you how I like the way you you phrases it's a partner with with caregivers and, and that's a great point the other piece is there's a lot of very good providers and companies in senior living that have you know expressly said they want to be data driven. And right now that data either doesn't exist or it's incredibly difficult to get. So one of the the functions that, that we're creating a capabilities, how we how we provide data and we'll kind of use it, you know, we talk about it in a micro and macro framework but you know micro is specifically we have data on the care that was provided and when it was provided to Mrs Smith in room 131 okay we know we'll have that information at their fingertips but then also you know just macro information such as you know how much time on average does it take to complete a task how much time on average does it take you know for caregiver time to spend with each resident in a in an eight hour shift or a twenty four hour period. Those are data pieces that will help providers make better staffing decisions, help them to staff more efficiently, but also as they look at concentrations of time and how they can prepare their staff better <laughs> to meet those needs. Um, so there's there's a there's both the the partner piece, which is really important, but also we're looking at this as how do we provide data and information to providers that allow them to make better decisions in how they run their communities, but also how they care for residents.
0: So it sounds like you and Andrew both have brought up two things, and, and uh, I want to make sure I don't lose them, but Mark, one of the things that I think I'm hearing you say is, data of course is very important data enables us to learn to see to discover patterns to discover opportunities for tuning change or otherwise and I think what I hear you saying is that the system that you you guys are working on actually collects data in such a way as to say hey across this amount of time across this amount of healthcare workers On average this particular service or behavior or activity takes about this long and as a result um, it sounds like you guys are saying you can take that data and just say here's here's uh, an averaged norm and then these other ideas might be outliers and that would give you an opportunity to consider additional training tuning or tweaking which is hey you know, this normally takes seven to twelve minutes to get done for people. Uh, on average, um, it looks like it's been taking you twenty. Teach me uh, what's going on. Uh, how can we improve? What do we need to change? Is my data wrong, for example? So you're you're using the collection of the data to teach. Tune and change is what it sounds like. Is, is Am I getting that anywhere close?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's what we see as, as one very important use of the data. There are others, um, you know, for example, um, you know, you use, well, I'll just, I'll just provide another example. Let's say that the average to do a task is 7 to 12 minutes, and we find that Andrew takes, you know, 12 minutes to do it, and Mark only takes 4 minutes to do it well, wait a second, Mark, are you really doing everything you should be doing in that task? So let's talk, let's, you know, so there's a piece, you know, not only if you're, you know, hey, we need to improve, but also to verify that you're doing things the right way and and the way they should be, and you're not cutting corners. And again, this isn't, the, the whole idea here is not to, it's not a gotcha. It is how do we improve efficiency and effectiveness? And if I know, wait a second, okay, I've been doing it half the time because I either forgot how I was supposed to do it or I wasn't properly trained to begin with or whatever, all of a sudden now the nursing leadership, the supervisor are able to step in. That's going to improve care. But quite honestly, as a caregiver, I'm going to feel better because I know now I've been properly trained and I know how I should be doing it. So there's this there's this piece that um, it, it, it's kind of a holistic view of it of how do we you know and if we're improving care, which again in the senior care environment, resident you know improving care is a is a goal of every community. They want the best care possible. So if you can improve that, then you know you'll just you'll have more satisfied residents. You'll have staff. Who are more engaged because they have better tools that they're, you know, um, one of the things that I, I talk about all the time is, you know, Argentum did a study in 2017 that said the senior care industry needed to attract 1.2 million new employees in the next 10 years. That didn't even take into account any that were leaving. That's just new employees on top of staff that already existed. Well there's a kind of a dearth of technology in senior care. And my concern, one of my concerns is if we're not providing, you know, technology and solutions that our younger workforce is expecting, how are we going to attract those people to senior care? Uh, you know, one one good example, again, you can cut me off if I, I get a little bit long-winded and passionate about this, but, you know, in many senior care communities right now, when, when staff change shifts, you know, new staff are handed the care plans on paper of all the residents. I mean, that's a twenty, oftentimes a twenty or thirty page document. Um, what we're trying to, you know, say is, gee, that would be nice to get that in their hands electronically because that's what um, the you know, I'll, I'll, you know, the newer
0: workforce is going to expect. Okay, so. Quality of care, that includes initial training, ongoing training, ongoing improvement, and that's in the best interest of the quality uh, of the healthcare uh, worker or provider or teammate, as well as the person that's being cared for, you know, loved, engaged, and so forth. So that makes a lot of sense. So let me go back to something Andrew mentioned earlier, which was talking about it sounded like, and I want you to amplify this a little bit, it sounded like you were saying That uh, We wanted to be efficient when we have the the system, which is partnering with the healthcare worker, and we want to understand where are our teammates, what are they working on, what should they be working on, and of course adding what Mark said. How is it going in context of what's the normal average? It sounded like, Andrew, you might be intimating making context-driven partnership recommendations. In other words, the software you're you're discussing is saying, hey, where is this team member in relation to the building and in relation to the people that need to be cared for? And let's make recommendations based on where they are instead of them being put into the situation of popcorning around the building and then that probably contributes to the, uh, you know, um, the fatigue you were mentioning earlier, Mark. But Andrew, is that what you were saying, which is context driven recommendations?
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. I'll expand a little bit on that. So it, it's more about geolocation. Um, So what we're able to do with our solution, right? It's a hardware and software solution. Um, And, and basically what we're able to do is, is geofence, you know, key areas within the care community. So for example, you know, all the rooms, are broken down into their own locations, and then the room can be broken down into a living area, an entry area, uh, a bathroom area, and so what. What we're able to do is based upon location. Our goal is to provide information, right? We want to nudge. We want to um, we want to provide. You know, I mean, the proverb of information at your fingertips. There, at, at this point there's no need to memorize anything if we know where you are we can provide you with the context that you need. So based if you're a CNA you walk into a room and um, you know you haven't been there uh, that day we're able to say hey you know take a look at this uh, take a look at the care plan for this room so automatically we know that they haven't been there yet we can provide them and say hey, you know, look over this, check the check the box that I understand what I'm looking at and the care I'm supposed to provide, um, and then we know that either A, they they've read it and we can hold them accountable for the care, but B, the biggest thing is they don't have to pull out that that piece of paper, you know, the 20 page packet of care information. Figure out, you know, what she has, you know, he or she has to do for Mrs. Smith. Um, you know, it's 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 right there. So nudging, you know. Uh, nudging real-time notifications, that's where we want to go, right? We want to make it easier for them to have access to the information they need.
0: This was fun. I like the things that I'm hearing. This sounds like a a nice, intelligent approach to how to provide quality uh, care. This is all about quality of care, but it's also about taking care of the health workers, the health team members at the same time. So you guys have talked about data collection and aggregation. Um, You've talked about geofencing, geolocation. You've talked about um, cognitive fatigue, if you will. Basically, you're talking about a holistic approach which could change an entire shift for an entire team of people and then all of the shifts thereafter, which is instead of receiving a clipboard with 30 pages on it and then having to figure it out and then popcorning around the building, then also wondering, hey, where the heck are all my teammates right now? This you're you're changing this, it sounds like you're changing the role of data and software to be something that enables a healthcare worker to go love and engage and care for people instead of making the healthcare worker collect the data, manage the data, carry it around with them, try and figure it out in real time and then go do the work. I mean, it sounds like you're this is a paradigm shift.
1: Uh wow, we we should hire you as our marketing person, Matthew. Uh no you you make a we talk a lot about taking and trying to take a very what is currently a very reactive environment and providing tools that allows it to be more proactive. And that's kind of the so what you what you just summarized is a really good way of saying that more um, elegantly and, and with more than ro- reactive and proactive, which is difficult to explain. But you're right. It's providing tools, information, data that enables caregivers to care for residents better, more effectively, more efficiently. And then, the, the you know, the results, and part of this you get into, well, you know, if I'm an operator, yeah, resident care is important, but what, what's that mean to me? Well, if you provide better resident care, your, your scoring is better, your results are better. That leads to better operating efficiency, better profits, all those things if you're staffing more efficiently and effectively there's a downstream result that is not just oh this is a really nice thing to do this is a really good business decision because we're providing better care our workers are more engaged they our, our staff has better tools so they don't leave and we're, our retention is better those things just multiply on themselves to you talk about you know what your outcomes are which our outcomes are improved resident care and should be also increased operating efficiency, which then leads to, you know, better financial results.
0: All right. I'm loving the story that I'm hearing right now. Uh, quality of service, um, which includes taking care of the healthcare worker as well as the person that's supposed to be loved to start with. So, so let me change channels a little bit here, change direction a little bit, and just ask you, um, Andrew, let's start with you. Um, how did you get here? What is, tell us a little bit about your journey that led you to care about this, that led you to say, Hey, not only do I care about this, but I want to start a company and I want to build a product that enables a change. And how did you get here?
2: Well, it's a, how much time do we have? Right. Um, uh, Oh, gotcha. Um, yeah, you know, uh, well, I mean, just to, the first start, did I ever think I was going to start a company or end up in Iowa, right? I'm from Maine originally, so, uh, you know, going from trees and seafood to wide open cornfields has been, it's uh, it's definitely different, let's put it that way. Um, but coming here, you know, I, I grew up in, you know, I grew up in a very good supportive household. Um you know, I learned that family. You know, family was important, and you know, my grand, my grandparents both had uh, some some health issues. You know, my uh, you know, one of my grandfather, he lost one leg, then another, and then his life to diabetes. Um, and my grandmother, um, who is the real inspiration behind that, uh, uh, behind why I, I I've come into senior living. You know, she she had a struggle that you know, after watching her go through. What happened with my grandfather, it just bugged me of, you know, why, you know, we're sending our loved ones to to care communities, to places, and, you know, why You know, why do they still get sick, you know? And, and so as a kid, you know, watching that, it was, you know, I was wondering, you know, it was like I'd visit, you know, I'd Carol, you know, I was in the Boy Scouts, I'd Carol at the nursing homes, you know, I, I was there owned a flooring, you know, my, my family owns a flooring store back in Maine, and I've installed flooring in, you know, 15, 20 different nursing homes, and so I, I you know, I, I know the environment, uh, but it wasn't really until my grandmother, Claire, um, who went into the care community uh, for some rehab during her time there, she had a incident with diarrhea that went unnoticed by medical personnel, and my mother was there, you know, trying to say, hey, you know, look, there's a problem, and You know, it ended up getting flushed before anyone saw it. And because no one saw it, they couldn't treat it. So shortly after, she ended up in the ER with severe dehydration because that's what happens when you have diarrhea and you don't, you know, get fluids. Um, And from there, that was the turning point. That was the downfall of her health. Um, You know, she was a two-time cancer survivor. You know, she was just such a strong lady. And to see that something so simple kind of gets missed it, it it really affected me so as an engineer right and you know I guess from day one I've always been an entrepreneur uh, you know I've, I've always wanted to solve problems problem solver and basically become an entrepreneur I knew there was a problem uh, and so I you know that's when I reached out and you know met the rest of the IMC team and Mark and said you know is there problems here to solve and um, we found one. And so we have, a, you know, came up with a solution so that, you know, no one, this doesn't happen to, you know, other, you know, other grandparents out there. You know, I'm not the only case.
0: Right. That's a tough story. I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks for sharing that. So a motivator, not the only motivator for you, but a motivator is, hey, um, I want to make sure that we know the things we need to know when we need to know it so we can do what we have to do. And that sounds consistent with the product you just said you were building uh, through the rest of this podcast so far. So, uh, thank you for sharing that, Mark. Um, how did you get here? Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you involved?
1: Um, yeah, well, my story's a little bit different. Um, I was I uh, um, was a executive at a senior living company for almost fifteen years and have been involved with in the senior. Care industry for close to 20 now. So I, when I left um, that company, I started my own consulting firm, focusing on management, human resources consulting, and I, you know, throughout my experience um, with the senior living company, I heard from many care providers in our skilled nursing facilities about the issues that they faced. And, you know, the issues were just a lot about not knowing we, you know, we don't know and we just don't know and we don't have information and we, and, and this was something that was consistent over the 14 years. Um, couple that with the fact that um, the senior living and senior care industry has is traditionally not been on the forefront or very advanced from a technology standpoint. So those were two things that I knew very much as I was a part of this. Um, also being a part of that really drove a passion for serving seniors. And, you know, so i very committed to the industry. Fast forward, I'm doing, you know, my consulting work, I have a client that is a senior care community, and I'm doing work with them. And a couple of people there start talking about the problems they're having, and oh, we've met this engineer who's really bright and has some great ideas about how we potentially could solve these from a technology standpoint. I asked the question, you know, after they told me, about, wow, this is really, (laughs) I think this is great. I think it has the opportunity to significantly change the industry and how care is provided and how workers are cared for and equipped to do their, their job. So I asked the question, what can I do or how could I be involved? And that led to a few conversations. And next thing you know, I've joined the team. So um, uh, it's, it's been a, you know, again, I go back to I think the one thing that's consistent across all the groups, of, you know, on our team is we have a passion for serving seniors and doing that well. We also all recognize the staff need to be equipped better to do that. So,
0: so you mentioned that historically in the senior living community, um, it may not necessarily have been on the forefront of technology adoption, technology utilization. Where do you guys see the senior living industry going in the future in terms of digital transformation? I mean, it's products like the one you're building or that you've built that compose a digital transformation or a paradigm shift for an entire industry. Where do you believe this is going? Uh, Where is the industry heading from your perspective in terms of technology?
1: I'll start and then Andrew can can add. I'll just, you know, based on based on my experiences, Matthew, um, you know, I know that it's an industry that is wanting is ripe for digital transformation. There are, you know, there are, you know, what I'll call early adopters, innovators that are out there looking for solutions that can help them provide care and do do the work that they do. Better, more effectively, more efficiently. So I believe the industry is ripe. You know, I know that the discussions are ongoing. I know that the associations are, are supporting this and putting resources into how, how do you, you know, develop this. So I believe the industry is ripe for digital transformation. Part of that is just the right solutions coming along that will help them do their work better.
2: Yeah, and and I would add on to that, Mark. You know, we've we've seen some changes, right? And and the biggest thing has been, you know, you've seen mobile computing devices. So we've seen, you know, taking the one computer, you know, mounted to the wall in the center of the hallway to, you know, in which you had the mouse and the keyboard to more of touchscreen kiosks, and you know, the really the most innovation you've really seen lately is bringing uh bringing ipad minis and and being able to you know for for the care communities that can try to afford it um you know allow every you know the staff member to you know chart on the go right that's that was you know the biggest you know a a giant leap um not to downplay it but you know the senior living industry has been very behind for probably several decades where, you know, our pilot community, you know, a five star, you know, one of a dozen of a five star care communities, you know, here in Iowa, I mean, it, it still uses some paper. And and you gotta get, you know, think about that. It, you know, paper to notify and update care. Right. So Matthew, right, here's a question. You know, uh I'll lay out a scenario, you know, uh Mrs. Smith. You know, in the morning, your H right, She goes and visits therapy and, and they say, hey, you know, you no longer can walk with a gait belt and a walker. You know, uh, your gait's a little off. You know, we need to we want to put you in a wheelchair. OK, so, you know, therapy, you know, says, you know, tells, you know, writes that in the changes. And so how does the CNA on the other side of the building who has a 20 page paper packet, you know, how does that get updated? You know, it's like uh, and, and so what happens is you get this telephone tag, right, of, you know, care plan updates and information changes. And, you know, I don't know how well you were at telephone tag. I tried really hard. Right. I was a try hard kid playing that game. Right. But we all know in reality, if you play it, you know, if it's played in the right way, it turns into something totally different. And, you know, it's not, you know, not to joke about it, but, you know, care might not get updated. So just being able to get some of the most important up-to-date information, you know, into, you know, this digital age would be huge.
0: That makes a lot of sense. That's a good call out. How the cognitive fatigue piece can
1: add to that is, let's say I come out of that meeting and I'm the charge nurse and it's my responsibility to tell the, you know, the CNAs that are working of this change in the care plan. And I walk out of the meeting and somebody grabs me and says, oh, uh, you know, Mr. Heston is in this, hey, we've got the situation, let's go deal with it, and boom, you go deal with it, because that's what you do as a caregiver, and and then all of a sudden, it slips your mind that you were supposed to tell the CNAs about this change in the care plan for Mrs. Smith. That's, I mean... And that's how it often works. It's not, you know, these things aren't updated until the end of a shift because those things happen. Well, it would be a lot better if it could just happen in real time and through technology. So that's just one example. There's hundreds of others.
0: No, it's a good call out. And and I'll abstract out just for a moment so that nobody in the senior care industry feels like, you know, we're poking on them in particular. Uh, My whole career has been in technology. And it's just a fact the more steps that are involved in getting from A to B, the higher probability of not getting there or not getting there correctly or not getting there completely or some combination therein. Also, um, so that includes handoffs, steps, the number of people, all of those things. The longer the distance between A and B, the higher the probability of not making it or not making it well. The other interesting thing that we all know from technology standpoints is manual Anything, for any extended period of time, decreases the probability of predictable, repeatable results every time. And if there are manual steps that are done on a regular basis, you know, we have great people with great minds, great education, great experience, and people still make mistakes. And that's just a fact. It doesn't mean people are horrible, people are failing, people should be fired, or anything like that. People make mistakes. Fact. So if I have manual steps, there may be error. If I have many steps, there may be error. Now include manual steps, manual everything, and multiple people, and I just have higher probability of combinatorial failure. It's, it's not a fault of any particular uh, languishing person on the tree, but rather, hey, life is hard. I'm trying to remember 12 steps and 13 patients and 30 pages and a whole shift and a whole bunch of crazy stuff that didn't, you didn't plan on life can whoop on you and it can all happen in one shift.
2: Well, even, even more than that, right? Cause, cause all it takes, you know, I mean, some of the tasks are at, at the base of it, you know, there are fundamental tasks, repetitive tasks that need to be done every day. But if there's a fall or if there's a new admission, or, I mean, any change, the complex, yeah, it just goes up, you know, there's there's no more habits, there's no more routines. Um, and then, you know, if, if they get behind, how do you catch up? And so, and, and that's a lot of where we're at, right? It, it goes back to being reactive. Something happens, we have to react, and there's not always a lot of uh, time, information, or, or you, know, you know, leadership of, you know, how can we micromanage the
0: whole situation? Right on. So love it. So love the things that you guys are talking about so far. Go ahead, Mark. I interrupt uh, I, I'm i sorry. I was just going to make
1: one of those, you, you. I'm so glad you brought that up because Andrew referred to caregivers as superheroes early. They really, I mean, the, the dedication and the work and, and how hard they work is unbelievable in senior care. But yet you make a good point. More and more is asked of them and, more and more of its manual and you add on, and they're human beings. And, you know, part of this is at some point in time that just doesn't work anymore. So how, how do we find ways to make it easier for them and not harder?
2: I mean, you know, why, why does the qualification have to be memorization to provide care, you know, and and enjoy providing care and taking care of others? You know, we should make it easier to get these, you know, these other individuals and, and and have people want to join the industry to, you know, it's, it's, you're in the profession because there's passion and, and there's a reason why you want to take care of someone else. And go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say this system that you guys have built enables the paradigm shift. So we already talked about that. And it enables it by including the idea of, you mentioned mobile phones, you mentioned geofencing, geolocation, you mentioned uh, context-driven reminders or partnership for the healthcare worker. So, hey, you're in this part of the building, you're by this particular um, uh, resident or or elder that's in our care, they need these things. So context-driven and then from the team leader standpoint, where are the people? What are we all working on? And then real-time data collection and real-time data nudging. And that all but eliminates the end-of-shift paperwork hell that so many people in the healthcare industry are plagued by. So you do—you went in planning for an eight-hour shift. You ended up spending 10 hours there, and you still have two hours of paperwork after that. And then you need to be back tomorrow. That's fatiguing for anybody in any line of work, end of conversation. Now, this data-driven approach that you guys have taken also, though, brings up some interesting privacy, confidentiality, security aspects um, that, you know, senior living, senior care, HIPAA, okay, fine. Healthcare information, no contest, no surprise. What will be interesting to watch in the senior living industry, though, is this explosion of data that's going to happen By creating geofencing geolocation, by collecting data in each unit and then in different places inside the units, now we have an explosion of data collection that's far greater than just the number of staff times the number of hours and shifts and clipboards and ink pens. Now it's many sensors and many locations collecting very much data all of the time about all of the things. Since the senior living industry has not historically been an industry that was an aggressive, bleeding-edge technology adoption leader. Um, But they're moving into it, and they need to get there, and they will get there. Um, What kinds of interesting data, privacy, confidentiality uh, problems or challenges have you had to solve, or do you guys see that need to be solved? I mean, it's not completely on you as a software solution provider to an organization, they have a responsibility to run their business, their enterprise, their framework. But what kinds of things do you guys see have you had to solve in terms of privacy, confidentiality, security, or what are the risks that you see? Teach us a little bit about that.
1: I'll start, I'm not the tech, you know, Andrew's much more of a a techie guy than I am. And, uh, but I'll just provide a couple of perspectives. I see the whole security privacy piece as a it's kind of a non-starter. You just have to have that going forward. I know, and if people in senior care and senior living don't think that that you know believe they're immune or whatever, I happen to know an, a company that I work with that was attacked with ransomware last fall. Um, no protected health information was involved, but they ended up getting locked down from a you know email file system perspective. And between them and their insurance company, they had to spend a lot of money to get that back. And so I think to me it's kind of a you know when you bring that up, it's a that's just a it has to be there going forward because um there are so many potential Ways in which things can go wrong in that area. Um, to me, it's it. You have to start there with everything you build because it can't be an afterthought.
0: That makes sense. That makes sense. You're right. It cannot be an afterthought. It needs to be by design. Andrew, what are your thoughts, good sir?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're right. You know, we we are collecting. There's a ton of data. And there are, I mean, an infinite amount of combinations that you can try to analyze it, right? Just to give you an example, so one of our badges gets five data points, five XY coordinates a second. So, you know, you have a community of, you know, 100 or 200 or, you know, when you do a whole care community or complex, a couple hundred tags, five samples a second. Going to do that for a year, a couple years. That's a lot of data.
0: It's a lot of data. It's a lot of data volume, data to store, to collect, but it's a lot of transmission volume as well. Uh, So...
2: Oh, huge, huge transmission volume, right? And, And so, you know, we do, we take care of some of that by trying to process it, you know, on a local computer first. So we try to analyze and do, you know, do some edge computing locally where if we need a real time notification of something that's happening, you know, within the character, you know, like the two hour rounding report, um, you know, some of that we can handle locally. But once you start sending data, you know, to the cloud, you know, you start opening up yourself for some penetration points, right? you 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 have some areas where, you know, people can try to, you know, throw out a net and try to catch some of your data. Um, so from a startup perspective, um, we're taking data, you know, the the design of our, our backend, how we're gonna manage the data, um, who's storing it, you know, uh, how's it being handled on the cloud, how are we integrating with, um, you know, other companies, EHR uh, platforms. Um, we, we need to think from the beginning You know, as we're developing and and building our platform to make it scalable, that's something that we're taking uh, into consideration early, right? And because it's trust, right? For us, as we go to a care community and as we build out this system and we show what value we can offer, this industry is going to rely on trust, trust and transparency,
0: You know, there's an interesting twist to this as well. When companies like yours are building technology and you know you need to do security and privacy, and confidentiality, all the things, and we assume HIPAA and all of that, there's an interesting overlayer which is happening now as well, which is, for example, when one of your clients ends up being a multi-state organization um, and each of those states have their own privacy laws on top of HIPAA, uh, it starts adding this amazing amazing complexity and all you can do is smile and say yes sir yes ma'am let's go get the work done but uh if you have one client and they're in multiple states and they have a privacy law per state there's a little bit extra work to do
1: and thank goodness that's why there's uh There's people and companies like you, Matthew, that uh, can provide organizations like ours support for that. Because you're right. It's not just, A, you have to be concerned with HIPAA or you have to be concerned with this reg. There's a multitude of layers. And really, I think it's inherent upon finding the right partners who understand that and get that and can help you build the technology that's compliant in all those areas.
0: So teach us. Uh, Where are you in your product life cycle right now? Are you already doing beta? Are you already in market? Where are you in relation to where you want to be? Uh, People that are listening to this who are in leadership roles at organizations at this point are thinking, huh, I don't know what to do with this stuff or, hey, I need to talk to these guys because I'm interested in learning. So where are you? they
2: could still be confused about what we do. You never know.
0: Well, it happens all the time, Right. So I'll, uh, I'll take this and Andrew, feel
1: free to jump in. Um, we are right now in kind of that uh, pilot stage where we're testing the expandability to cover, you know, we've, we've done the proof of concept. It works. Um, we're doing a pilot. We are adding an additional pilot site in early 2021. And then right now we're looking for other early adopters to help us kind of, you know, cause there's things that we're trying to develop on scalability and all of that. So um we are just starting the process of exploring other opportunities to expand that, with the idea that we have, and, and we're going to take a phased approach on features rolling out, but that we have a fully functioning all, you know, all or most features rolled out um, by the end of 2021. Early 2021, we're going to have a commercially available uh, product that has some of the functionality, but not all of the functionality. If that if that helps and makes sense. Andrew, Andrew, add anything you'd like to that.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, from, you know, to use the startup speak, right. We're, we're developing our MVP, right. The minimal viable product. What, what can we deliver to to care communities today that can make a difference? Um, So, you know, as a startup, you know, we don't do this for free, right. Uh, We have to, you know, you've seen Shark Tank and the whole, whole nine yards, right? So we have to raise a little bit of money. We have to build the team and, and build the product and, and make sure we're, st- you know, not having feature creep, right? You know, or, you know, Mark, I really think we could benefit from a pinball machine. You know, can I get it, right? Uh, no. You know, so where we're at today um, is we're really focusing on this first phase, which is the data, right? So as Mark said, we've done something um that it seems pretty trivial but a lot of people you know there's a name for it called customer discovery right and more or less it's an interview right kind of how you're interviewing us we go out and we try to talk to a dozen or two dozen so care communities and to figure out are is is you know are you guys jiving with us for the problem right you know it does this make sense and so you know after you know doing those interviews and saying okay what what kind of value can we give them early we figured out well there's we can do it with data so we know that these care communities don't have data and so what we're doing right now is our initial phases um we're we're helping uh, with uh potential complaint reports we're helping with um an early uh, concept of contact tracing so we've we're, we're, we're doing some a little bit of the framework and r d right now of our product but as Mark said, in 2021, we look to hopefully hand off um, something, uh, you know, a feature set that has, you know, the automated two-hour rounding reports, you know, some uh, uh, activity reports that management can, can you know, pull and uh, try to make some real decisions. And one of the big things is we're trying to look to also see how we can improve staffing methods um, by, you know, by looking at uh, resource allocation. Um, so we're very excited to try to, you know, get that to push. But as you know, with startups, we, you know, you have to raise some of the capital and you have to move forward. So it's a very exciting process trying to say, wow, this innovation, this concept, how fast can we build it is so great. But then on the other side, it's we need to focus to make sure that we don't, we don't lose the quality of our product, right? And we don't lose focus of our mission.
0: That's good. So you're actually working with one or more uh, client partners right now it sounds like exploring, discussing, testing, validating. And and this is a classic problem for all companies which is you only have 10 bucks in your pocket. You have 50 people. You told them all you'd buy coffee. How are you going to spend that 10 bucks? And so the reality is, day one, that MVP, the minimum viable product, doesn't mean it's a a non-revenue-generating, non-useful piece of rubbish that's going to be thrown away. It actually means I have $10, and I'm going to be ridiculously shrewd about how I spend that $10. And that means if there's 100 things I need to build, I want to build them. But today, we're going live with the 20 most important features... And that's how we're going to go hot on the first day. And it sounds like you guys are at client sites actually gating, uh, gathering and validating and testing hard data. It's, it's real-life stuff. So you're not just making this stuff up in the vacuum and saying, pretty sure I'm smart, pretty sure I got a good idea. This is going to work, just trust me. You have data.
2: We have data during COVID, right? It's battle-tested. I'll tell you what, as a startup going through this time, Um, not being able to get inside the care community uh, not being able to check and update our equipment and having to work with their staff on the inside it's been awesome you know we've we're so lucky to have such a great early adopter Um, you know they're bored and everything they want to see the industry change they want to improve you know metrics and and resident care and, and satisfaction so it's 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 been great for us to work with that and it's good for them to see how can this help another care community like us, right? You know, what, what is the basic, you know, what is the Toyota version, right? That'll get me from point A to point B that can make an impact now, right? And it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, if it's putting uh taking a piece of plywood and throwing four caster wheels on it so I can roll down the hill faster, then that's, you know, there, it's beneficial. Right. And so we, we have to start early. Um, and, and so we're, we're going to work with great early adopters that say, you know, who can help guide us and help provide value to make sure we're, we're, you know, answering the questions, solving the problem. Right. It's not fictitious for us. We, we need to focus and work with them. Right. Cause I'm an engineer. I have tons of ideas. But when I go and talk to an executive director, an administrator, a director of nursing, and we start talking about their problems, resource allocation, do they even know how you know how much money is being spent on this or that? It it starts to become a reality, and so it's we're it's going to be slow, a little bit slow, getting the uh, you know really driving this to market. But that's why I say it's trust and transparency, you know, being able to provide and show that value you know, people will
0: follow. No, that's that's a good call out. That's really good. And so there's an interesting conundrum many companies struggle with, which is, hey, we bought this software or system. It doesn't really meet all of my my needs. I'm happy a lot of the time. I'm unhappy a whole bunch of the time. And they complain about it as if, hey, this was kind of a good purchase, but not so much. Alternatively, you guys are offering a paradigm, which many startups like to offer too, which is, hey, we will partner with you, give us real data, we will give you real solutions, and together we'll build something that actually solves your problems, and, but that takes time also. So you're giving people alternative, instead of just buying some commercial off-the-shelf thing and then having to live with it, you're saying, hey, come let us live with you we'll collect the data, we'll do the work, we'll define the system and build the system in a way that works for you. That's a really good alternative. Uh, that's a good call out. Well done.
1: One of the real advantages we have is, you know, our our founding team has over 75 years collective experience in senior living. We weren't a technology company going out and looking for a problem. We knew there were problems and we're trying to use technology to solve those and, and identify and, and and help them solve those problems. It's not we're a solution looking for a problem. We know that they're what the problems are and we're trying to develop solutions that will help them. And it's going to evolve. And one thing I just I I, I want to tell you before we wrap up, Matthew, is you go back to what's going to help with the digital transformation. People like you who are, you know, understanding no technology in the industry driving the conversation. I know you have a passion for seniors and how we can improve senior care, but that's really important is driving the conversation, so more people are thinking about this and considering how we can do it because it has to be done, but part of it is just finding the right solutions and having that discussion and driving it so that really smart people like you who know technology can say, "Hey, this is this is how this is part of the solve."
0: Okay? all right andrew also
2: yeah i was i was gonna touch you know just free touch upon that you know uh people i mean you, you you hit it right on the head right there's you know people sit in their jobs and they're just saying you know i wish we could do more or, or you know this is stupid inefficient right how can we make this better and um and we know things are going to get worse right we're, today we have 34 million baby boomers retired by 2025 that's going to almost double to 60 65 million so the you know this increase on the demand for the healthcare industry is um it it's coming and you know again going back to the digital age how are we going to digitalize this how do we see information it it's transforming but we you know and i think that's why we're going to be you know, not the two to toot our own horn pretty successful is we, you know, you said, Hey, there's a, I'd like a straw, right. To, uh, you know, I got this cup, you know, I wish there was a better way where someone made a straw. Well, you know, you said, Hey, Andrew, you know, you want to make a straw and I create you one that's, you know, straight, nice, you know, it's beautiful looking straw. And you said, well, I wanted it to bend. Right. And it's, you know, for us, that's where, are between the founders, the founding team, you know, almost 80 years of experience, right, Mark, almost 80 years of experience, 80 years of experience uh, in senior living. We have such a great breadth of breadth of knowledge that. And and the passion that, you know, we're just going to keep we're just going to be resilient. We're going to keep working at it.
0: Right on. That's cool. Thank you very much, guys. So before we take off, is there anything else that you wish I had asked or you wanted to bring up or you'd like to touch on again? Just uh, some parting thoughts for us before we uh, close this down?
1: I'll just say again, thank you for the opportunity. We're very excited. We, you know, um, again, thank you for driving the conversation, giving us the opportunity, and uh, we're really excited about where we're headed and, and really making a positive impact in an industry that uh, we've been involved in a long time. So, thank you. Cool,
0: Andrew.
2: Well, I want you to know we're we're not leaving here without keeping data security in mind. Let's just make sure we, we leave off that right away. Um, but no, yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, we're, we're very excited. These are very hard times. Um, you know, a lot of people are, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of stories, there's a lot of bad press, but we're trying to change that. So, you know, it's one step at a time, one day at a time. And um, you know it's 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 we just can't we just can't lose focus. So I, thank you very much.
0: Well, yeah, I loved hearing your stories about how you got here. I love hearing about the product that you have built and continue to evolve and build. Um, I love the fact that you're looking to change the paradigm. You're not looking to take what exists and tweak it. You're looking to completely turn it upside down so that we could look at things in a different way to enable. Healthcare providers to actually use all of their time and energy to love and care for people instead of love and care for their keyboard, their shift, their clipboard, their data collection, their handoffs. These people are going to school so that they can love people, not computers and not clipboards. And you guys are seeking to change that whole thing. I think that that is outstanding. I look forward to keeping in touch again. Thank you very much, both of you. And I hope you both have a great day. Thank you, Matthew. Yep, thank you.
1: The Long Way Around the Barn is brought to you by Trility Consulting, where Matthew serves as the CEO and president. If you need to find a more simple, reliable path to achieve your desired outcomes, visit trility.io.
0: To my listeners, thank you for staying with us. I hope you're able to take what you heard today and apply it in your context so that you're able to realize the predictable, repeatable outcomes you desire for you, your teams, company, and clients. Thank you.